0: Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon.
1: The blessing of a being under the standard of God. Amen. Because not only was David telling the enemies of God that I am under the standard of God, but then the armies of Israel would break out in worship saying the God in whom we hold up his banner is going to fight our battles for us. Amen. In the spiritual walk, there's there's also standards that identify the church as belonging to Jesus Christ. When people do not fear the enemy, they are willing to wave these banners high. Fear sometimes will hinder uh, vigorous displays of the flag in the time of battle. On the other hand, courage and boldness in warfare, amen, against sin can cause the church to bravely lift up that standard high and tell the world whose side that they're on, amen. In, in this world where... Standards are being lowered, and standards, and I'm, I'm meaning banners and even flags, are incredibly offensive to people. We, we need to be able to hold up the banner of Jesus Christ and hold our head up high that we belong to Him and He belongs to us. Amen. I, I find it quite ironic, and I, I thank God that we have uh, the First Amendment, the freedom of speech and expression, uh, but I find it quite ironic. Uh, that the people who hate that standard the most are people who have never departed this land to see how blessed they really are. Last I checked, people are dying to get in, not out. And this ain't, I'm preaching, you know what, bless God, America, rah, 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 America, America. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, until you've been out from underneath that banner, you, you don't know how blessed you are. When I when I go to a foreign country and uh, people have, that have been with me have seen this, especially on my first trip, first thing I like to ask them when I get there and I see the the uh, pastors, I say, hey, uh, where'd all the white people go? I say, oh, yeah, they all go over there. I say, would you take me that way then? <laughs> I don't want to see the cleaned up version of this country. I want to see how the people are and wh- who they are and how they live. And I, w- I want to be amongst them. Amen. And. And I do, and, and I'm thankful. Brother uh, uh, Garza came back, and he uh, Sunday before service, he was saying, I, said, I went to uh, Pastor Rick's church, the one we built, and I had been there years earlier. Uh, and Mendora I've been there two or three times. And he said, uh, he said, I walked up, and Pastor Rick said, this is my house. And I looked at it, and I said, is this? He said, Pastor slept in your house. My pastor, right? And Pastor Rick goes, yeah. And Brother Garza looked at it and thought, there's no way I could sleep in that house. And then pastor Rick and pastor Mito said, Oh, not this house. This one's cinder block and a aluminum roof. He said, the one he slept in was over there and there was a square still cut out in the sand. And he said, that's where we had bamboo walls and a thatched roof hut. And pastor slept in there with us on the floor. And, uh, because that's where I want to be i don't want to i don't want to be at the Hilton I mean I like the Hilton don't get me wrong When they send me them points i'll take advantage of it amen but when i'm when I'm there doing ministry i don't I don't want to i don't want to be far removed from the people I want to be with the people now I didn't particularly look forward to sleeping on the floor that night and at the risk of uh snatching away your view of me being incredibly humble and spiritual. The reason why I slept there was because we missed the ferry going back to where there was a hotel. I had no choice. I should have left that out and you could have went, man, he slept. He really looked. I I didn't have a choice. (laughs) Amen. I mean, I did. We could have rode six hours up that road and found a resort. Uh, that we had stayed in the night before, but I kept waking up with with um, lizards and big old bugs crawling all over the place. So I decided I'd take my chances on the on the dirt. Amen. Uh, praise God. And uh, but but we we've got to we got to realize that the the people that 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 really hate a thing, oftentimes they've never appreciated by being on the other side of that. You know, you talk to our veterans who have been on Foreign Soul. You know, they they don't agree with everything that the government does under that banner. But they will tell you, it sure is a whole lot better here than it is over there. Amen. And, and, And so, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, I've already found out living under the banner of Christ is a whole lot better in his kingdom than it was in the kingdom he brought me out of. And if it were better there, I'd still be there. But I decided to get up under the standard that Jesus Christ set. Amen? Amen. So, so it begs the question, um, it would beg the question, why have standards? Somebody would ask why. Matter of fact, uh, why don't somebody ask that question? Y'all got to be the smartest crowd in the church. I mean, to come up with that question shows the, the intellect And the IQ of this collective church family to ask that question, even though I provoked it. So, why have have standards? It's real simple. The church is ordained to be a light in this dark world. Light stands out in the darkness and causes the church to be conspicuous to the world. Light. In darkness is noticeable, and it's obvious. Amen. You don't affect darkness by being dark. One of my favorite quotes, and it's not biblical, but you know, it's not a quote from the Bible, but but it's good enough to write in the pages, of the blank pages, in the notes. One of my favorite quotes of all time is uh, Dr. King when he said, "Hate cannot drive out hate; only love can do that." Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Amen. We can't affect change on a dark world by trying to be dim. We've got to be a light to the world. We've got to be a contrast to the world. Not a blowtorch. Not a flamethrower. But a light. Some people think they've got to go around and be a walking human Zippo light. You ever seen those films? Where the, uh, of the um, World War II when they're walking and they're, they're shooting those flamethrowers and they get them canisters. Of, my my great uncle carried one in the Second World War in the Pacific. And he only did it for about a week because the three guys in, that were carrying it were killed. And, and uh, so he was the new recruit and he had to carry it. And he only carried it for a couple of days. And um, then he... So I something happened and he went back to his heavy machine gun, his BAR. And I asked him, I said, what, you know, what was that like? He said, it's like walking around being a human lighter. Just one pierce of a bullet and your you're, you're toast, literally burnt toast at that. And some people want to walk around being a, being a flamethrower, just torching everybody. He said, be a light that's attractive, not a heat that's repulsive. And there's a difference. There's a difference because Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. Then he says, a city that is set up on a hill cannot be hid. Our light ought to be so, so pure. And our light ought to be uh, uh, so that we could not be hid even if we really wanted to be hid said in verse 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives a light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That light, we're to be the light of the world. One thing that you'll notice, um, uh, we grew up in the country, so there wasn't a lot of ambient light. All we had was the stars. And the moon and the moon would be so bright on those dirt country roads that we turn our headlights off on the full moon and drive the roads and still do it when I'm home. If it 's a full moon, I'll turn the headlights off and drive at night, and they they're like ripping the upholstery up out of the car, just like I can see perfectly fine it's bright enough and uh but but what you, what you see is when you're in a place where there isn't a lot of ambient light there's not a lot of porch lights and and i I hated them blasted security lights everybody started putting on their telephone poles some big blue what what do they call them things they're huge they go on top of telephone poles you know what I'm talking about and they're just bright and, and just you could see them forever I can't stand them things because it just ruined the ambiance of being in the country everybody had their and then they had the gas lights and the, you know that down at the end of their driveway they have a it runs off the gas so that way when the tornadoes or the electricity knocks everything out, they still get, at least they can pull in their own driveway at night. You're going to uh, these countries where, that are poor. You go in these third world countries. I remember being in, in, in the Philippines, for example, and driving through the jungle and, and there's not a lot of light at night. And you're going down the road, brother chase. And they remember, they have this incredible ability or desire to build a fire on the road at night. And so they, there's no shoulder. They just build a fire right there on the edge of the road. And they got sticks and got meat on the sticks and they're just roasting. You pull up and for just, you know, a few pesos, you can get a stick of meat. And I did that a bunch. I don't know what the meat was, but it was cooked and it was good. And you're, you can see that light a long way off. Amen. it's, Miracle, I don't got some kind of disease, you know, growing a third arm or something like that. Hey, man, I don't know what it was. I got my suspicion. The, the pet population greatly decreased that night. <laughs> but, but you could see that little fire a long ways off. You knew it was out there. We turn on these dirt roads and you, you, you can see it way out there at night. Even, even through the Amazon, you could see one, one light, one house light, one porch light on. You can see it way out there. Listen, we're in a dark world. You don't have to do anything above and beyond to be light. Just be saved and act saved and live saved. You'll be enough of light in this world that people will be able to know that you belong to Jesus. Amen? That which attracts a person, attracts attention to a person is the light others see. Let me say that again. That which attracts attention to a person is the light that others see. This is why we need to be careful in every aspect of our life that we are drawing people to see Jesus and not merely us. Right? Just, just trying to be whatever to, to just draw a lot of attention to oneself. And you could take it from the example of, of uh, acting in a way that's not pleasing to the Lord in order to draw attention. Dressing flamboyantly in a way that would attract people to us rather than Jesus. That doesn't mean you got to you know, look like an or something. Every time I say that, I feel people go, oh, you can't say that about the omniscient. Every time I look at you and go, they'll never find out. Jedediah won't find out. He's out there churning butter right now. He's not going. He's not going to find out about it. All right. <laughs> Unless you send it on a carrier pigeon or something, right? Amen. But but you you can you can be act look in a certain way, talk a certain way, that would attract people to some other aspect of us than Christ. Let let me say this. I understand, and this is a truth. You have to win people to you before you can win them to Jesus. Amen. People who are, um, let let me find a very sophisticated word. Let me go through my lexicon. People who are a jerk typically don't lead people to the Lord because. Well, I've got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but it's hid up under that bushel. (laughs) Right? I don't want my light to shine too much. You know, I don't want people. You remember when, uh, when was it they did this? I know it was in the early 90s or something like that, midnight. They started this whole campaign around the Christian, say that loosely movement, about being a silent witness. I'm just a silent witness for the Lord. And I just remember thinking, Pardon my crashness here. How stupid. How stupid. I'm going to be a silent witness. What that meant was, I'm not telling anybody about Jesus. I want them to come to me. I mean, think about that for a moment. You get arrested for murder. The cops pick you up when you get home and say you were identified at the scene of a crime and you killed somebody at, 7.40 7.40 on Wednesday night. And we got witnesses that can put you there. They put me on the stand to verify your alibi that's going to keep you from going to the electric chair. Well, we don't have that anymore. To keep you from a life lived within a gated community with free meals and health care and cable. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But my testimony will be the difference between freedom or restraint. And I take the stand and they ask, Do You solemnly swear to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth. And I say, Yes. And the defense attorney, after the prosecutor has accused you of that murder, looks at me and says, On the night in question were you with will and i go were you aren't you a witness would you would you exonerate him you don't want a silent witness on the stand you want somebody to go, no, he was at 635 William Street wearing a white shirt, blue jeans, and white shoes. And about 50 other people saw him and sitting in the same place, right on the front row, in the middle, where he belongs. Amen. And then everybody tell, you don't want a silent witness. God, Jesus said, you shall be witnesses of me. That means when they went around Jerusalem and all over the world, what were they witnessing? They were witnessing that he who was dead is now alive. That he is God manifest in the flesh who shed his blood for our sins. And they were witnessing or testifying. They lived their lives, if you would, on the witness stand. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He did it for me. He can do it for you. And so we want to live in a way that will uh, will be a witness to Jesus Christ in our life, Amen. And so we, we got to make sure that our that 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 uh, we don't want to draw people. Now, understand, you got to draw them, you got to win them as a person before you can win them to Christ. And that that is so the truth. You can quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but if 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 you have not love. Though you possess all gifts and have not love, right? If you can't connect with them on that personal and build a friendship, it doesn't matter how much Bible you know. You you gotta be genuinely, you gotta genuinely care about them. And, and you know, people, people know if I, I've seen people, you know, and you have too, they they live their Christian walk like a used car salesman. They're friendly trying to get them to sign on the dotted line. People realize if there's an agenda. Be their friend. Show genuine concern, show the love of God. It, draw them. Draw them to you to make a connection, but ultimately, you want to connect them to Jesus. Amen. We want to connect them to Jesus. This is why the Bible gives us a standard in every aspect of our life. In our speech in our character, in our environment, where we go, where we don't go, what we wear, what we don't wear, all of these things. The Bible set a standard that would easily transition them from us being a light to him being the light. Amen. We are a light, but we're not as bright as him. We want to lead them to him. Can you say amen? And by doing that, we will reveal the Christian personality and allow genuine character to stand out and be able to draw them to the Lord. Amen. The the church is appointed as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We should reflect his light and his glory to the world. The objective of the church and the believer is to draw attention to the one in whom we represent rather than to ourselves. In everything, we should endeavor to be identified with Christ. That ought to be our ultimate goal. I want to be identified with Christ. Amen. (laughs) Standards, when properly applied to our living, help bring that identity about. We're talking about the spirit of holiness and the importance of setting a standard. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 19, excuse me, chapter 6 and verses 19 through 20, Paul says this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 through 20. I love the way Paul starts this scripture out. He says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? That's God. I'm a free American. I'm my own. Well, well okay. Okay. But when we become his, well, let's just let Paul finish this out. He says it better than I can for you are bought with a price therefore glorify god with with your mouth or or with a bumper sticker on the back of your car or with just doing good things therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit which are what Are gods now i'm not a big fan of the message translation i just put that out there. But every once in a while um it can contextualize a point and build upon it in a way that I think that I think can uh kind of bring out not only the veracity of what the writer is trying to say but also bring up to the point in a great way. So I'm going to read this in the new living translation because the new Trin- living excuse me, the message bible is taking the context of what Paul is saying and, and it's kind of boiling it down, so it's, you're going to think it's a lot longer than two verses. And it is because they are pulling it in from a 10,000-foot view. So let's read 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 through 20 in the Message Bible. Amen. There is more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual, it's spiritual mystery as physical fact as it is written in Scripture. The two become one since we want to become spiritually one with the master. We must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids uh, commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one that you only become one in marriage. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others in sexual sin. We violate the sacredness of our own bodies these bodies that were made for God-given and God-molded love for becoming one with another? Or did you not realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid for such a high price? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Boy, isn't that counterculture to modern Christianity? Well, God don't care. He only cares about what's on the... He cares about what's on the inside. But what's on the inside ought to be producing the nature of God on the outside because it's not my body anymore. It's his. It's, it belongs. It's bought with a price. Amen? And I, I love that part. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Amen? Some of y'all well, he's fixing to get off in it. No? Not there yet. But but just as a side note, don't put anything on the market. It ain't for sale. Amen. It belongs to the Lord. We need to live in a way that would give glory to the Lord. It's what the Bible says. This is a, really it is a relatively new revelation we're seeing in Christendom that we can look, act, be any way and then God must accept it. God rejects anything that is not holy unto him, right? Amen. Now, I want to reiterate, we cannot be holy without his Holy Spirit helping us reflect his glory. Amen? And and, and so, this is his body. And if it's his, then then we need to to live in a way and conversation in every manner of life that would bring glory to to him. Amen. How would you like to uh, uh, buy a house? Yeah. And uh, for a good price. Yeah. I I, I saw somebody, uh, a friend of mine back east that's a realtor and posted a listing in this town and and they had a three bedrooms, about a a a 1600 square foot house. And they listed it for $89,000. And I thought, I really, really don't like you right now. I had, to, I had to pray through, and I thought, you know, if you picked up that dilapidated cardboard box with shingles on it, and you dropped it over here, it'd be a million dollars, right? Location, 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 amen. <clears throat> but how would you like to buy a house? And actually, this happened to me. When we bought our house on American Way, I walked in, and I started thinking, well, I'm gonna push that wall out. If I push that wall out, and I put a floor up there on the second Floor, Brother Vincent, I'm thinking, well, I could put a pool table up there. That's what I was thinking. I'll put a, you know, I'll build a, I'll put a pool table up there, and then, you know, I could put a little guitars out. Well, you know, just, it, it just kind of be a, a man's cave that's not a cave. It'll be a man's plateau. <laughs> right? Which man caves never end up being man caves anyways. They get invaded. Right? And that's okay. That's okay, we're in there chilling and, and the honeydew list comes out. <laughs> hey Bruce Wayne, while you're there. <laughs> Wife sending up the bat signal from the kitchen. <laughs> and we come running with our electric tools. <laughs> that we don't know really how to use anyway. Amen. And and so I thought I was gonna do it, and our old neighbor Ken. I love Ken. Boy, he kept me from getting in a lot of trouble. And, and I remember telling Ken what I, what I wanted to do, and he goes, man, you can't do that. And I gave him the best, what you talking about, Willis, that I ever had. I said, what are you talking about? I can't, I can't do that. Jack, this is my house. Um, <laughs> uh, joke's on you. You're paying for this house. It ain't really your house. What do you mean I can't put a floor up here on the balcony area, my pool table? You remember that area, blank space? I want a pool table. Up I want don't even know why. I thought I was going to turn into Fats Domino or something. I don't know. I want a pool table and put my guitar. He said, you can't do that. You got to get. He said he's not going to prove a permit to do that. I said, wait, wait what? And he looked at me because, you know, he was originally from Oklahoma, and he's just laughing. He says, uh. You're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. I said, I can't put a floor up on the back. <laughs> I couldn't. City wouldn't approve it. In my own house. I thought if I want to do anything short of a meth lab, I ought to be able to do it. No, in comiform you can't do that. You got to ask city for permission to do something in the house you're paying for. And then we wanted to paint our house. We had to paint it a certain color. I thought, boy, they wouldn't last in Texas very long with that kind of mindset. I remember the first day we got the house. I I put a fire in the fireplace. And I run over. I put the fire. Man, I got that thing smoldering and smoking. I love fireplaces. I I mean, there's a bit of a pyromaniac in me. I love it. I get them fires so hot, I bust the glass in almost all our fireplaces. I get it hot. I mean, I got the kind of fire you can survive in. (laughs) Amen. I'm serious. You can roast weenies three feet from the flame. I get it. I know how to build a fire. I learned as a kid how to build a fire. I can build a fire almost, almost in anything except underwater. Amen. And I've got my fire going. I'm just sitting there. With, and it's not, when do we get the keys? Are it's like September. In September, it wasn't even cold outside. But I just, hey, it's first house I ever owned. And by God, I'm going to build a fire if I want to build a fire. And I get that fire just raging. And all of a sudden, I hear, all the, oh, the neighbors are coming to welcome us. You know, <laughs> open the door. And this was one of my first introductions to Ken. He says, "Hey man, I'm your neighbor. Uh, you, you burn a fire in your fireplace? Yeah, yeah." He's, uh, "You might want to put that out." And I said, "Why?" He said, uh, "It's an it's a, it's a no burn day. Isn't that what they call it? No burn day." And I said, "It's a hujama What what? It's it's an old burn day." I said, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know what that is. He goes, well, you got to go on the website and find out what days you can have a fire. I said, but it's my, it's my fireplace. He said, it don't matter. No, it's a spare the air. Spare the air. Spare the air. <laughs> you mean spare the fare. It'd only be fair to have some smoke when I want some smoke. They don't understand how much us Neanderthals need a fire every once in a while. He said, it's a spare of the air day. You, you can't be burning. I said, man, I'm not burning and leaves in my backyard. And I can just tell he wants to fall out laughing. And knowing Ken like I know him now, I'm surprised he didn't. And he's just got his hand on the door. He's like, no, bro, you can't do that, man. This is California. You can't just be burning stuff when you want. I said, but it's in my Fireplace. Imagine my shock to find out that I paid all that money for a house and couldn't do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it and how I wanted to do it. My understanding, Brother Chase, is if you buy something, it belongs to you. Some of us are putting too many California restrictions on God. Amen. And I'm not being, I'm not being pejorative when I say that. Okay. I, I, I'm, that's the example I'm using. We're just putting too many spare the airs on God. Yeah, not today. God, it's not on the list. There's an approved day for me to be like that. And it's not today. God said, when, when I shed my blood for you and I purchased you, I didn't purchase you for Sunday. I, I didn't purchase you for Wednesday or Thursday or Waking Conference or youth camp. I didn't, I didn't purchase you for the days you felt like it. I saved you from all your sin. And the exchange was, I give you my blood and my life to pay the debt of sin. I died for you. Now, now what I need you to do is live for me. And then, and then who are we to say, God, hate to wreck your eternal redemption plan. But are there some blackout dates on that? <laughs> because the importance of raising a standard is living under the standard. And saying a, a believer is not what I do, it's who I am. Is this all, is this all right? amen and 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 so we're we're not going to god saying you know like like we're at hometown buffet which by the way I like hometown buffet. They actually got really good meatloaf. I met, remember when we we used to go to hometown when it was over. There? They got really good meatloaf. You know hometown buffet you walk over and go I'll take some mashed potatoes. I'll take some butter corn and do that. Broccoli? You can have that? Peas and carrots, prime rib, two slices, butter beans, ugh. meatloaf, double portion, yeah, eh? I say. Right? Walk by the dessert. Well, there's not many desserts I'm passing by, just to be honest with you. <laughs> On a buffet, I'm going to take it whether I like it or not. I'm going I'm to give it a whirl. I've never had banana-flavored Brussels sprouts. I think I'll try this. It, it's included in the price, right? But we approach we approach a lot of times the word of God in the same way. I'll, I'll, I'll take that blessing, but I'll, t- I'll take that blessing. Oh, I really like that, but but no, no, not that commitment. But I'll take that blessing right there. and And, it, and it's not... It's a standard that we get up under, and it's, it's not my standard. It's his banner, and when, when I stand under, oh, glory, I, when I stand under that, amen, I'm afforded protections that no other nation on earth has, and, and, and I, I'm winding down. We've got, we've got protections. Nobody has. When, when I go to a foreign country, one of the first things I do is find out where the U.S. Embassy is. And I look at a map and I, and I, and I, I study and I look at my first two nights where it's, where I'm staying and how to get there. And you, and you probably think it's a little extreme, but I've read books, right? Where all of a sudden it hits the fan and there's violence everywhere and there's revolution and I don't mean the good kind and they're looking for people to whom they can get ransom from. Big white dummy. Right? They don't realize they ain't getting no ransom out of me. <laughs> we won $50 million for this one. And my wife says, will you take a Starbucks gift card? That's about all I got. <laughs> but the one I already used because the new one I haven't brought out of the package yet, right? <laughs> but, I, but I know this and, and our military, our, our veterans here can tell you this and especially anybody that's traveling internationally can tell you. If it breaks loose, you get to that embassy because wherever that flag is planted, wherever that standard is, is U.S. soul. U.S. soil. If you attack an embassy in Egypt, it is the very same thing as attacking the White House in D.C. If they assault an embassy in Singapore, we view it no differently than somebody, a terroristic attack on your personal home. That's why they have Marines there guarding it. And they're fierce-looking. I've been to the embassies overseas, and I'm going to tell you what, it's good to see a familiar face, but they do not look happy. They're not, they're not there for a vacation. They are there to secure that parcel of land with that standard that says what that represents is what we're, we're not. They're not protecting the cloth. They're protecting what this thing represents. And if you get in trouble, run to the standard, get under the standard, and it will afford you protection. And I will tell you something, the United States will move heaven and earth to get you out if you're under that standard. They, there have been highly trained SEALs and Delta Force operators that our government has spent tens of millions of dollars to train, go lay down their lives and die trying to rescue one U.S. citizen who may have been four years behind on their taxes. It didn't matter. There are blessings and privileges to being under the standard of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh hallelujah! There are privileges afforded to us that nobody else gets when we get in under the standard and we set the standard in our life and say, "I belong to Him," and He will fight my battle. Amen. Let me uh, let me let me close, wrap it up on this point, talking about what standards represent. The standard is a flag; it's a banner. It, it, it's a flag that represents certain customs and traditions of a country or people. That standard, that banner, that flag speaks of lifestyles. It speaks of philosophies. It speaks of life. A nation desires to project a good image on its representative flag. You know, they didn't go to kindergarten and say, paint on a piece of paper and we'll put that on the flag. They put a lot of detail into it. They, they put a lot of effort into it, ours with the stripes and the stars and all the representations. And, 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 and then you have the Jewish flag with the Star of David. I, I love um, the Cambodian flag. You can see that. And uh, I'm looking for the Mexican flag because it's got the, is it over here? Amen. It's got the uh, eagle on it and it's got the uh, snake in his talons and it's in, 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 in his mouth. And the cactus, and it's representing the different regions of Mexico. You know, uh, nobody puts a buzzard on their flag. Nobody puts a turkey on their flag. Nobody puts a snail on their flag. You want, an, you want a, something majestic on there because it represents pride, and it, and it, and it represents something you're proud of. Amen. Look at the Spanish flag and, and it's so detailed and, and it represents the royal standards that have passed down uh, through centuries and, and, and uh, uh, my German ancestors, the best they could do is red and yellow and black. <laughs> and it ain't much better when I get over to my Irish ancestors either. They just got three colors on there. That's it. Hey, don't, don't get upset, sister. It's it's Okay. Because Columbia's only got three colors too. Amen. <laughs> she said, that's because we know who we are, and we only need three colors to tell you who we are. And, and and so these flags, they they represent it meant something to me when when we built our Bible college. And and when I was designing this crest, I wanted it, I wanted our standard to mean something. We didn't just come up with a logo and say, make it look cool and slap her on there. We wanted it to mean something. And the fire represents the fire of Pentecost and the fire of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The cross representing, amen, the price that Jesus Christ paid for us. The Bible, the whole gospel, the whole counsel of God set beside the world representing the whole gospel to the whole world. And in Latin, we have Jesus, which simply means in Latin, knowing Jesus. We wanted this banner to mean something. Amen. And it does. It means something. And, and, and. That's what the standard and the banner of, of Christ. Man, I couldn't help it. They put the Fur Elise on there. Amen. I'm not a fan of that. Amen. Is it the Fur Elise or the Fleur? Fleur de? Fur lease is a Beethoven. Amen. The, the Fleur thing, whatever. It's the French. Yeah, who cares? Amen. I'm just kidding. See me after church. I got French jokes all day long. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I can say that I got a lot of Cajun family. Amen. Thank God, not by blood, praise God. No, I'm just, I'm just, it's just a joke. Nobody's getting mad about it. I just got French jokes, okay? My wife was going to Paris and, and she says, ooh la la, what do you want? No, she didn't say that. She didn't say, ooh la la. She said, what do you want? Would you want me to get you something in Paris? I said, yes, go to an antique shop. She's like, okay. She's always oh, serious. I said, go to an antique shop, okay? I said, so you'll probably be able to find one somewhere on the outskirts of Paris. And, and go and buy me a, a French rifle. French rifle. You're going to love this. She said, a French rifle? And I said, yeah. She goes, why? I said, because it's been dropped twice, never fired a shot. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I told that to Sister Template. She is French. Amen. She didn't much care for that one. Amen. We surrender. (laughs) Amen. It's (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. I put up with Southern jokes all the time. I can take it. I can take it. Amen. But it means something. It means something. And and when we think about Jesus Christ and his standard, it needs to mean something. That I live my life in a way that I wouldn't Disrespect the standard. I, I I don't I don't want people to think less of my Jesus because I didn't represent the standard. Doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. Amen. I, I've been to places where where they didn't like me because of other Americans. Brother Roberto and I were flying from from uh, uh, Peru into Santa Cruz, uh, Bolivia, and then into La Paz, and uh, this was, uh, it wasn't funny at the time. It's funny looking back, but uh, they treated me. I'm, I'm telling you, ask Brother Roberto. Let him tell you, they treated me like absolute garbage. And I was the only one they treated like that. I got, it, it's a Bolivian-ran airline. It's a socialist, communist country. And uh, they wouldn't give me water. They wouldn't give me food on the airplane. True story. Brother Roberto's, like, getting mad at him. Like, why can't he have water? Everybody else on the plane got water. Everybody else got food. They didn't understand it. The plane, the, you know, the light goes off. Everybody's standing up to get on the plane. And they're walking back screaming at me, telling me to sit down. I can't get off the plane until it's empty. I'm the only person they're doing this to. So we get to Bolivia, and we're having dinner with the Kahosi. Uh, uh, not the Cahoses, The, the Kiwanis. Uh, and we're having dinner with them. And um, Pastor David Brown's over there with us. You know, he's been here before. And I'm telling the story, and I'm like, man, what is it? I, I don't understand. Brother Roberto is still, his blood pressure is still up that they were doing this. I'm just like, hey, you know, hey, ain't my fleas, ain't my dog. You know, I'm just here to watch them scratch. Hey, Amen. I'm just, I want off the plane. I know I'm never flying Boa Airlines again in my whole life. It, it was awful. And Sister uh, Kuwani began to say, well, it's because you're American. I said, that's an odd way to treat an American. They said, we're, That's a government-run airline. It's basically like the DMV running a plane. Ooh, what a scary thought. (laughs) (laughs) I should have hiked, amen. And they knew you were in America. I mean, me me and Brother Roberto went to the counter and said, can can we have our seats together? Because we were about three rows apart. We were in the front of the plane. We reserved that. And uh, she said, sure, we can do that. And I handed my, of course, in Spanish, I handed my American passport and she looked at my passport and his passport and uh, she separated us and put us all the way in the back of the plane. So he's explaining this and he's very upset. And uh, Pastor Brown is giggling over. He's laughing. And uh, Sister Sister, Kawani is explaining. She said, well, this is a government and ran airline. And because they're a socialist communist government, they really don't like Americans. And she said, and, 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 to be quite honest, they probably thought, you know, with the way you're dressed and your hair, they probably thought you were CIA or something. I, you know, I didn't know. And, and I said, are you serious? They were, they, they thought I was like a government agent, U S government agent. She goes, Oh yeah, they thought you were FBI or CIA or something, something secret like that. And they, that's where they were treating you. And then Pastor Brown starts laughing. He goes, How's it feel to be discriminated against? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, Not too good. It was pretty scary. But they, they treated me unkind because of what they thought of the standard. I don't ever want to give people a reason because of me to treat his standard differently. I want to live under his standard in such a way where people do like our standard. I'll do anything I can to get under that standard. I'll do anything I can to live under that standard. I want to be there because there's blessing there. There's protection there. I want to live my life in such a way that when I set the standard of Jesus Christ in my life, people may look at it and say, I, I don't understand why you do all that you do. I can't, li- I can't explain it, but there's just something about you. There's something about your family. There's something about the way you are. I just want to get around that light that you have. I want to get under that standard standard that you have, yeah. amen because that standard is important that standard represents something praise God let's stand together amen that standard that standard represents and it identifies me as belonging to the lord jesus and 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 the way I act and let's be honest you don't have to raise your hand because But how many can say since I've been saved, I've probably acted in a way that didn't reflect good on the standard? And and I know this has not happened to anybody in this room except me and their walk with God. I know I'm the only one. Y'all are too sweet to have this happen. But have you ever acted in such a way that somebody looked and said, oh, I thought you were a Christian. Now, some people just throw that in your face just so you can be a doormat for them. But I'm going to be honest with you. In all these years serving God, there, there's probably a time or two I deserve that statement. Maybe my attitude wasn't right. Maybe what I said wasn't right. Maybe the way I acted wasn't right. And, there, and to me, it's almost like there couldn't be a worse dig than somebody to look at you and go, Oh, I thought you were a Christian. And you look up and go, Oh. I wasn't under the standard. I was acting under the standard of flesh, not under the standard of his word. And it'll quicken you to go, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, help me get up under the standard that you've set for my life. Brother Lucas, if you'll come, help me, Lord, to be under that standard. Boy, I can tell I took some of you off guard talking about the standard tonight because we got to raise up the standard of holiness and we got to raise up the standard of being Christ-like and we got to raise up the standard of following the word. And if we'll do that, if we'll do that, doesn't mean we'll be perfect, but it means we'll be protected. And it means we'll, we'll walk in union. We'll walk in union with the Lord Jesus when we get under the standard, when we get under the banner of God's word. I wanna live under his standard. It, it, It would be very easy for me to talk about how important it is for us as parents and adults to raise a standard. It would be very right, and, and I have tonight. Let me say something to our young people. It's so important for you to raise a standard now. It may be a little heavy for your arms, but you just lift it anyway. There, there needs to be some things that are an absolute no to you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I remember I was talking with, uh, as I did many times, I was talking with Grandpa about some stuff, and we were talking about, we were talking about standards. The well, price always. I mean, he could sneeze more wisdom than some people could come up with in a lifetime. And uh, we were, to, we were. I was just asking him some questions about standards and the standards. And he said to me, he goes, you know, we often, we often confuse convictions with preferences. Some people say, well, I will do this because that's my conviction. Brother Price said, no, no, that's not their conviction. That's their preference. There's nothing wrong with having a preference. He said, but he said, brother, a conviction is something you'll die for. may not die for a preference, but you'll die for a conviction. I prefer not to have any pickles on my cheeseburger. But if I hadn't eaten 15 days and won't eat for 15 more, I'm not gonna pass up on a pickle laden cheeseburger. I think mayonnaise is about the most disgusting thing on this planet. Right next to relish. Man, I don't like it. Some of y'all like probably love relish. Relish is Italian for puke, amen. It's just gross. I don't like it. But if I were starving, I, I am convinced right now, I have a conviction. If we went to five guys right now, oh, they're close, and you put relish and mayo on my burger, I'm convicted that I ain't gonna eat it. But if I hadn't eaten a week, and I knew I wouldn't eat for a week more, that'd be the best relish mayo burger I ever had in my life. Brother Price said, a conviction is something you'll die for. If they put a gun to your head and said, do it or else, you'll tell them, pull the trigger, make sure you aim straight. You need to get some things in your life right now you were willing to die for I'm going to get up under the standard of Jesus and say I've got some convictions that I'm not going to compromise I'm not going to compromise these things the Lord gave them to me in his word and they're far too precious to me it isn't my life anymore matter of fact it's not even my body anymore it's not even my will anymore it's his way his will the way of holiness walk therein and be saved Mm. oh i feel such a beautiful touch of the holy ghost here right now you see because holiness was never meant to be a hammer holiness was never meant to be a baseball bat holiness was meant to be that devotion that we walk in fellowship with god hand in hand saying lord make me more like you today than I was yesterday. God, let me walk more in your image today than I was last week. I want to be I wanna be like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I was reading a book by A. W. Tozer. He made this statement, and I'm I made up a a meme or a slide, and I put it out today because I was been reading his book while studying on this The way of holiness, and uh, I wish I'd have given. Matter of fact, I'm gonna, I'm going to send you the slide, Brother James. and You can put it. I'm going to read it. Um, you got your airdrop on, and we can put it up there until we turn things off. I read this in his book called Man of God, and it and it, and it convicted me. And so, um, can you walk your phone up here? I don't I don't see it. Amen. Most Dick. Amen. All right. I'm going to try it again. You know what? I got POV Mac. There you go. It's, I'm airdropping it to the computer. Amen. But this is, I want him to put up that slide. I wish I'd have thought about this earlier. Are y'all receiving it back there? Is it coming through? Not coming through yet? It says waiting. I'll read you the quote in just a second. I want you to, I want to put it up there because I want it to be ingrained in your mind. Amen, we'll put it up there later. It says it's still waiting. But he said this, this is what he said. He said, we cannot afford to let down our Christian standards, just to hold the interest of people who want to go to hell and still belong to a church. I want to say that again. It's not meant to be mean. It's it's, it's meant to awaken something in us. He said, we cannot afford to let down our Christian standards just to hold the interest of people who want to go to hell and still belong to a church. In other words, we have got to lift the standard high and live it in the grace of God and the obedience and the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you just lift your hands where you're right now? And would you just reach up to him and say, Lord, help me to walk under your standard, God. Help me to live under the protection of your standard, God, in the name of Jesus. love, help me reflect your light and your purpose let me walk in that divine communion and fellowship with you God hold my hand while I walk this pilgrim way on the way of holiness let me reflect your image let me reflect your compassion, let me lift high the banner The standard. God, give me the the courage and the strength and the conviction to lift that standard high. To stand for you while the world goes by. I feel such a beautiful, refreshing touch of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you if you feel comfortable, amen, would you just pray with somebody beside you for a moment? Amen. Some days your arms are going to get tired. Your, your legs are going to get weary holding up the banner. Amen. Amen. But pray that they would have strength to lift up the banner in the name of Jesus, to lift up the standard. Go ahead and pray for them right now. Pray for their strength. know about you but that just that just felt so good in the Holy Ghost didn't it that's like drinking a nice cold Coke on a hot summer evening amen praise God just feels so refreshing to be in fellowship with the Lord amen 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 thank you for being here tonight don't forget prayer tomorrow night so important amen but don't wait till tomorrow night to pray you can pray tonight pray in the morning a matter of fact pray always and, um, and then we'll be here. We'll be Saturday at the Davis Center. We'll be putting those announcements out. Amen. Walk in the way of God. Walk in the way of holiness. Amen. That's what, that's what he's called us to be. Amen. And we're not going to let that standard down not one inch. We're going to hold it high. We're going to be a light to the world.